is Slashers, a podcast about movies and horror for those who love horror. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're branching out from movie reviews and doing a report because we felt like it. My name is Jake, the Crypt Keeper, if you will, for this show. And to my right, the Vault Keeper to my Crypt Keeper, Brian. Brian, greet the mutant goons from beyond. What's going on, boils and ghouls? And to my left is the old witch to my Crypt Keeper, the newest member of the party posse, Chad, producer Chad. Say hello, Chad. Hello. Gang, we're very excited to be doing something very weird and different, where we are going to be doing effectively a history report on the EC Comics Tales from the Crypt franchise and basically every spinoff thereof except for the HBO show. And the HBO show will, of course, be getting its own episode because it's 93 hours of generally great TV. I agree. I love the show. There's no episode of Tales from the Crypt that comes to mind where I'm like, ugh. Everyone that I've seen, I've liked. It's just questions of like how good, the degrees of goodness. And that is remarkable. What's great about it is that it's, what, 30 minutes and it's over? I thought they were longer. Was it a little bit longer? Maybe I just feel that way because I was a child. I could have sworn they were like, it was a shorter form. It wasn't like the full on like movie. I don't remember. Could be wrong. But I'm I mean, gonna Google that right now. I mean, most of them are good though. Don't they, because I, I was don't a fucking child. I know what I'm talking about. Tales, crypt, HBO, runtime. But the reason why most of them are good is they just ripped off other stories. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Episodes. Yep. That one just says watch. It doesn't say how long it is. That's Ooh. neat. Videos. So, uh, what's your favorite? Well, we're not on it yet, but honestly, the only one that I truly remember is of a little girl that used to walk and almost like skitter across the floor. Ew. Like, and you would hear her footsteps like. Oh, you're right. 23 minutes for the ventriloquist dummy, which is the one that sticks out in my memory the best. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being, also, I loved Bobcat Goldthwaite. He was the dude from the police academy and stuff. So I was like, oh, yeah, I know who this is. <laughs> and then what ends up happening in the episode is very different than police academy. I'll tell you. Spoilers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Chad, do you have any episodes that stick out in your mind? I love the Santa Claus one. There's like a wife kills her husband and they're like, oh, there's a maniac coming or is released somewhere. And then he comes and because he's like super creepy looking. And yeah, she has to then fend him off. It's kind of interesting. It's a fight for your life. Yeah. Huh. Fight for what's right. I, I just remember watching it near Christmas and I was like, oh, this is great. With Black Christmas. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember Black Christmas being like, oh, this could be great. And then it's not, which is super fun. Did you like Krumpus though? So I didn't like Krumpus the first time I saw it. So like, this is too derivative. Damn, and now I I'm like, I love it. Bug. Jesus. Yeah. Was it a tick? Ever since I watched those <laughs> goddamn movies. Let me tell you. <laughs> Hi-yo. So, shall we start at the beginning? Yes. Who's beginning? <laughs> the comic book company's beginning. Let's start Max? There. With MC? MC Hammer? I was going to start with Educational Comics, founded right. in 1944. And we could talk a little about Max Gaines, because he came from All-American Comics, which he had co-founded. Right. That yeah. had Green Lantern, had Wonder Woman. I mean, and then I th- feel like you essentially have to start with him, because he... You know, had kind of created <laughs> right, <laughs> right comics. He was, you know, he brought up to what Procter and Gamble, like the idea yep. of having this ad, and they didn't they just kind of shun him. They're like, eh, I don't think that's gonna work, right? Yeah, it, well, because he was like a salesman, and he talked about doing four color panels that were supposed to be very innovative, right, right. And then he ends up kind of through the back channels becoming 
But he was a dude who did everything. It's a very interesting time. In our lifetimes, I always think of people having like a career. Like, this is what you do, right? And back then, it was just like, oh, he was a door-to-door salesman, yeah. a chemistry teacher, a publisher. Oh, I read somewhere that he was a haberdasher. Yep. What in the fuck is that? People who do <laughs> buttons and stuff like that for clothing. <laughs> I thought somebody made up a word there for a second. No, we used to make jokes about opening up our own haberdashery. <laughs> Wow, that's 12 years old, that joke. It's not even a joke. We would just say it really loud and people would look at us, which is basically how I got attention for 20 years. Apparently, though, Max is a giant asshole. Yeah. Yes. Well, he was a tiny man, but a giant asshole. (laughs) It was like highly documented in multiple sources. Oh, yeah. Right. He used to beat his kid with a leather belt and just genuinely. That's bad. (laughs) <laughs> genuinely was not you know a role. as your attorney i'm gonna advise you to not talk any further Chad. <laughs> he just wasn't you know the role model dad i've read people try and give him a pass because he like broke his leg as a kid and like oh right. what caused him discomfort the rest of his life guess what a discomfort in your leg doesn't make you beat a child <laughs> and then say that that child's going to be worthless i mean it's pretty well documented and it's not just from Will or William Bill Gaines. It's a bunch of people who are like, yeah, he's kind of a piece of shit. But that piece of shit was the shit. And then Billy Gaines used that shit like soil and sprouted up. But what's that so, happens all the time. What's, what's so great about it, though, is he wasn't <laughs> anywhere near his father. He wasn't working under him as an underling and then all of a sudden inherited it. He was like going off and doing his own thing. Like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. I want to be a teacher. But his dad was a teacher. Isn't that kind of weird? I yeah. was thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that is that is true. He's like, well, I'm going to branch off and do my own thing. You were a teacher, but now you're this, this, whatever. And in a way, you feel like as much as you want to rebel against the parents, they they do have some sort of influence on you. Yeah. So, but back then, it's probably just safe to be a teacher, and he knew what you know. He knew more about chemistry probably yeah. because his dad did it. So it was a little bit. Yeah, like, I can oh. see that. I can see that. And I mean, and a, a strange kind of twist right his father just has this fucking crazy boating accident right Uh and then you're like okay this guy doesn't seem like he would be like hey let's go enjoy a a day on the water you know (laughs) he dies and then his son's like ah fuck it let's change everything up yeah basically when i think of somebody dying in a boating accident my brain goes directly to sleepaway camp i always i think of jaws well, I'm talking about the, they literally get hit in the head with a boat in that movie. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's silly, but at the same time, it's like that's really possible. That's kind of scary how possible that is. But when when we say boating accident, I'm gonna put little bunny ears around it. I feel like it was a very planned accident. It happened in Lake Placid, but not the Lake Placid with the alligator. Not with the giant crocodile? alligator or crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, it's those little baby crocodiles at the end are so cute. That I want to own is, them all. That movie's fucking awesome, man. So good. I love it. Okay. Betty, Betty, when you, Betty I, White fucking right. kills it. I did rewatch it more recently. It is pretty slow, but I still enjoy I it. I feel like, uh, you know what? Throughout the movie, Betty White just calls people cocksuckers. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> you know, I'm rooting for the crocodile. Or, like, yeah. <laughs> she says something. <laughs> I saw a guy make a really funny po- uh, point online. I'm sorry. The odds of this person ever finding this show and calling me out for stealing his joke. <laughs> I don't think are very likely, but he said, if you want to know how old Betty White is, she starred in a show about being old before most of you were alive. (laughs) Holy fucking shit. That's very true. I like to think of it as Hollywood magic, but no, she probably was older in dirt when that came out. Yeah, well, I'm very obsessed with Golden Girls. Estelle Getty was barely older than BR. I mean, yeah. 
we can talk about all sorts of fun stuff. But that show fucking rules, unironically rules. And I know a lot of people try and be trendy and stuff, but oh, haha. Don't look down your notes that show. That show is full of like great writers and performers. It's awesome. I know this isn't a horror podcast, but if we, you know, when I just said reviewing movies and more, I would really love for more to be <laughs> Golden Girls at least one time. One of the shows I listened to um, while I'm driving and I just said, um, damn it, was. So now I have to leave that in when I edit. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> These, Should we explain uh, or just move on? Bruce- nope. <laughs> Broussard and somebody else, they're sports reporters, and one of them is, is obsessed with Golden Girls so much to the fact that they are going on a cruise. Oh, they have wow. Golden Girl cruises. Dude, I can kind of get down fuck? with that. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's a bunch of old people getting down. <laughs> I Yeah, well, like middle-aged people, I think more than old people, but still, I would love to get me a Blanche Devereaux of my own. <laughs> So, wow. which golden girl are you, Chad? I don't even know their names. Don't be a bitch. I'm dead serious. Don't be a bitch. Just <laughs> describe them physically. I absolutely everything, and yet I don't know any golden girls. Jesus I, Christ. I, I feel like I, I gravitate towards the tiny one. You can't. Why? That's mine. <laughs> Picture it. Sicily, 1941. <laughs> She's my... I've often said my the ideal sitcom for me would be coach from cheers and sophia from golden girls that are like roommates not necessarily romantically <laughs> engaged but that would be so fucking perfect because coach is basically like a male rose from right. anyway that we're devolving into madness we have so much fucking history to get through god right. damn it so 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 educational comics changes hands from max to bill well Let's get into what they do a little bit first, because I want to point out some of the hypocrisy. Well, we talked about how Max is kind of a piece of shit, but right? He also, yes. he also sells publications of the illustrations of the Bible. Correct. Right. So he did the illustrated Bible, Tiny Tot comics, Bible comics, animal fables, and... Did he do Land Before Time? I don't know about that, but if he did, that's I believe, cool. I believe he did. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that would make sense. Little foot, because he's yeah. got that weird leg thing. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a club foot. It was from an accident, but still. So... Mm. Land of the Lost. Oh, that would make sense. Land of the Lost. There we go. Bill says about his growing up, he said that he was a, quote, an atheist Jew raised to believe in Santa Claus, but not God. Yep. Fucking fathom that. <laughs> That's a good that quote. That is a very involved sentence. That's a good quote. <laughs> for a guy whose dad made a living off of the Bible comics. Yep. Which, I mean, Old Testament's fine. We're there. I get you. But it's still like... Yeah, it's it's funny how it's a bit close to home when he went through the whole juvenile delinquency thing. He's like, yeah, no, I lived it. (laughs) (laughs) There's also an interesting argument to be made how good he is at dissociating the horror stuff where he's like a normal fucking dude who makes the lion's share of his career off of Mad Magazine. Right, which is satirical, it's comedic, there's no horror really in it at all. And it's just a product. It's not his ideations, it's not him trying to kill someone, it's not therapy, it's just a product. Right. And he doesn't mince words about it. I think that he gets that pretty healthy mindset from his dad, who is being capitalistic about the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, they definitely made their money's worth. I mean, they were both very smart when it came to investments, right? Hell yeah. Yep. Yeah, like millionaire millionaires in like the like early 40s, like late 50s. And so. if we can give him some credit, Max Gaines was also influential in getting Wonder Woman published in the right, first place. Right. Yeah. And her whole history is fucking fascinating. If you've never read up on it, 
it's great. I so, mean, Max do, is also <laughs> involved with shit. A lot of the kind of founding uh, characters, Green right? Lantern, Green, Lantern, Green Arrow. Right, yeah. Yeah, and but then, then they end up getting bought by DC, DC, and so he retains all the stuff for the Bible comics. So he makes education comics, right? EC, and then National, right? Um, right? Is that what it was? But National comics. When Wonder Woman was selling like crazy, he was like, "Oh, damn it! Yep, yeah, I'm gonna make Moon Girl or whatever she is." <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work out for you. <laughs> We're gonna it's try. Kinda, and get it's kind of like with <laughs> Superman and Justice. Dude, yes, isn't there another guy that was similar? Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I actually, I had a, a professor who was kind of a cocksucker in undergrad. <laughs> kind who, of a cocksucker, he, huh? <laughs> he wrote a book about comics and everything in it was wrong. And I read it and he was like, oh, can you help me copy edit? And I was like, sure. And he didn't want to pay me. And he gave me a B plus in his class. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> and so I never called him back. And so yeah, I, I used to have a bunch of these voicemails. Like, Come on, man. I need you on this. But one of the things in Luke Cage's first issue... It spoke a lot to culture at the time. Luke Cage, a black superhero, has to buy his costume at a pawn shop. There's a very, very funny joke in there where as he's going through the pawn shop, he pulls out a costume. This douchebag thought that it was the Flash's costume. No, it was Captain Marvel's costume <laughs> because he'd been put out of fucking business because he was sued by DC Comics. It's super involved. <laughs> I also saw Shazam finally, oh, okay. and I fucking loved it. Yeah, it's good. I love Shazam comics. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I'm a big fan of the Captain Marvel, and there's also the ginger. Have I told you about the ginger Captain Marvel? No. The, yeah, he wears a purple costume and he has this red hair. With and he's ginger. Has split, <laughs> and his body parts come off, and he can fight with like one arm over here and another leg over there. And his what? head. Oh, it's so stupid! It's amazing. <laughs> then there's the female Captain Marvel. The absurdity. The, yeah. There's Marvel. It's all. But huh. the, to me, the big red cheese is Captain Marvel. And I was really disappointed of Captain Sparklefingers and all those fucking names. They didn't do the big red cheese. Like, you know what? Even <laughs> I might be vegan, but I'm not that vegan. It's a big red cheese. For those of you who are really into comics, you totally get that. If you don't, I'm sorry. I have this no is, idea what he's talking my element about. Because like, I love... Behind this curtain, there's 2,000 comics on a rack. So. Honestly, you know what? I hate to say it. The only time I ever read comics was when you give them to me for yeah. Christmas or my birthday. Yep. So at least you read them. <laughs> that's honestly pretty impressive. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean they're they're bathroom readers. They're good. I like them. That's on the, <laughs> I'm so glad that you put flex are on yeah. the, the gifts that I give you. So here is where we start, and it's a little convoluted, but I practiced my oration on this with my wife while we were on a walk because I wanted to make sure I was able to get this out in a succinct and clear manner. Go so, on. There's Crime Patrol, which was originally International Comics, then International Crime Patrol, then Crime Patrol. The name changed in issue six, then in issue seven, then in issue 15, called Return from the Grave, they start doing the Crypt of Terror. And it's a test by Bill Gaines, who just takes over the company after his dad has a boating accident <laughs> because he had teamed up with Al Feldstein. So by issue 16, the next issue, because it's bi-monthly, there are more horror stories than there are crime stories. Yep. Then by issue 17, it's rebranded as the Crypt of Terror. Then by issue 20, it's rebranded again as Tales, Tales from, from the Crypt. Crypt. Now, the numbering stays the same because they wanted to get around second class postage permits. By keeping the same sequential numbering, it's one title That's so you don't really have to smart. reapply and do it over again. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah. clever. And that. in... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I I thought it was really interesting and kind of scratched my head a little bit when I, Chad, I think you sent me the link 
And oh, yeah. I clicked on it and then it said episode 20. And I'm like, well, let me go back to the first episode. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. But that's also why Vault of Horror and Haunt of Fear technically have more issues than Tales from the Crypt. Did you, did you catch on that? I did. So the Vault of Horror had 29 issues and the Haunt of Fear has 28 issues, which we'll get into those because it's basically a copy paste of Tales from the Crypt. But I like it quite a bit. I yeah. think it's super fun. I kind of wish that more things did that. <laughs> What I also find interesting is the development of the Crypt Keeper, because in issue 15, he's kind of like dark in a like corridor type thing, like super long hair covering his face. So they don't really show like the facial features at right. all. He's it's like kind of like the menacing mystery. figure from behind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lots of negative space. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, as it progressed, you know, then he becomes to like the slapstick. What's one thing know, that's jokes. really interesting the Jake dope. to me is like the Vault Keeper, the Crypt Keeper. Keeker, Crypt Keeper, and the witch all eerily looked alike. Fucking identical. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, it's not me, right? No. They're all the same. Yeah, they're all okay. the cool lunatics. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things I like. We'll get into it, but in the cartoon series Tales from the Crypt Keeper, they actually in season two introduced the Vault Keeper and the Old Witch, but they're differentiated because the Crypt Keeper is based on the HBO version, so he doesn't have nose and he looks a little more zombie esque. The Vault Keeper is basically just the guy like he was, yep. and then the Old Witch is green and actually looks more like a witch. But in the old comics, they look exactly the same. I think in this issue right here that I'm gesturing to, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the three of them on the side. They're basically the same person, which is funny because not only are their characters the same, they look the same. Their function is the same. Right, right. Really different. Which actually like is it. interesting enough. I feel like the the witch in season two looks eerily similar to the witch from like the old Looney Tunes Oh, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, right? for sure. You know what I'm talking about? With oh, the, yeah, for with sure. The little word on her nose and oh, everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Those Very iconic looks. Typical, yeah, like which. Right. Okay. Which is great because when they brand, there's no introduction. If you notice, episode one of season two doesn't have them. Episode two of season two, they're just there, and there's right, no real right. explanation as right. to why we, the Crypt Keeper is fighting with these they two people. The whole beginning and everything, getting rid of like the boy running through, and it's just now the now it's other, just the other host other trying host, to get yeah. into the house. Right. Yeah. I think it's great. We're getting into it. Don't worry. Strap in, <laughs> mother and, Yeah, and one thing, sorry to add on to that, is I really like the fact that every season had the comics intertwined within the intro. Some sort of way, there's like comic book pages being thrown up in the air. There's right. pictures of like a, a, a scary banshee lady, and then it goes to the cover or like, you know, right. something from the comic yeah. book. So I agree. They intro it very well. The first season, the intro is basically the Universal Monsters, which are right. iconic, and then it gets more and more niche. But I think season two is definitely the high water mark for that show. Oh, yeah. But, but fuckers. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> we still haven't even gotten to Crypt Keeper's origin in issue 33 called The Lower Birth. Do you know who his mom is? A mummy. You know who his dad is? A daddy. Conjoined twins at the neck that escape nice. a freak show and they stop butt fucking. Then they get dragged back to the, the, the freak show and he's left alone, stranded in a cave. And I was like, oh, little fella, I want to adopt you. Then I was like, nope, you'd probably murder me in my sleep. <laughs> like I said, it's debuts in April 1950, 27 issues total bi monthly. It's created by William Gaines, as I aforementioned, and Al Feldstein, who is an artist. Now, both of them, the reason they even get to this is they loved pulp horror and they loved radio horror. And so that's going to be very important in the creation of characters like the Old Wish, which we will get into. 
Did you know that Max Gaines died in his boating accident on my birthday in 1947? <laughs> so this oh. still is a birthday episode <laughs> to me. <laughs> birthday episode to me. It's oh, pretty interesting. And Max talked about how abusive his dad was. It's very well documented. No, no, Bill talked about how abusive. No, he, he even said, I'm an abusive piece of shit. No, you're right. <laughs> Bill says that Max is abusive. But this is, I thought, very interesting. You know how Bill starts his Senate testimony when he, they did the committee on the juvenile delinquency? He starts off, quote, two decades ago, my late father was instrumental in starting the comic magazine yeah, industry. Yeah, he gave him high praise. Yeah, he talks about how he edited the first few issues of Modern Comic, the famous funnies. He was proud of the industry and helped found. And he, he also brought- threw out the Bible thing, which yes. I thought was very smart, right? You're yeah. like, come on, you're, you're talking to a guy <laughs> whose dad did this, so how bad can I be? Well, he also talked about the basic economics of it. His dad gave a career to writers, artists, engravers, and printers. He talked about how it weaned hundreds of thousands of children from pictures to the written word. It stirred their imaginations, given millions of hours of entertainment. My father before me was proud of the comics he published. My father saw in comic books a vast field of visual education. He was a pioneer. That's great. And yet they still talk to him like he was a fucking child. Yeah. Yep. That Senate testimony is crazy annoying. It's, it's very one-sided, just like I feel like any Senate committee kind of interrogation would go. One thing that I thought was really great coming from Bill was how they kind of were questioning how the artists came to the portrayal of the murders and any of the pictures that are depicted. Yeah. And they're like, so you tell them specifically what to do and he's like no they're artists they know what they're doing so we give them an idea a direction of where to go they're it's their job because they're professionals right and they do it themselves so i thought it was kind of cool him giving them credit not necessarily like skating by and saying like oh yeah i was the bad guy i told them to do this decapitation yada yada right but but the artwork is what makes these comics interesting and at all yeah absolutely and it was awesome that he did give them credit on the covers and everything and even giving no, like mean, them a bio on the back page and that's, that's what was so kind of revolutionary right right exactly. because nobody did that yeah at all so it was like yeah that's a really cool concept or that's a cool picture of how that was that was drawn i wonder who did that nobody really ever knew until they had their own specific artists like with signatures and everything right and he was very instrumental by picking artists based on their strengths. Now, a lot of these guys had no interest in horror whatsoever. They were just good artists who were trying to make a living. There, I have a bunch of quotes I pulled of these guys just basically talking about economics. But he would know this guy can draw goop. That guy can draw gore. This guy can draw skeletons. This guy can draw motion. And so when they would write the stories, they would do two things. They would keep the beats in mind as far as what visual cues are going to be and who was going to be executing it before they even sent it, before they even finalized the story, well, which is very different from this time because this time it's all economics. Right. Nobody thought that people were going to save comic books. This was a one and done industry where basically people thought you'd buy the magazine and throw it away as quickly as you would the Sunday funnies. Yeah, nobody this, would subscribe. Exactly. Right. This is not a thing that has a legacy. And yet 
this whole by happenstance, this stuff created yeah, you know, but that's, an industry. That's one thing that was so great about Bill compared to a lot of other people is I feel like he really truly appreciated the craft. Right. It wasn't just like, okay, well, I'm the owner and you guys are my underlings and you're going to make me all the money. Like he truly enjoyed everything about this. Yeah. Like it's, he didn't start out enjoying it, which makes me love this era of his career so much because he was employed before his dad died with EC Comics. And he talked about basically he would just sign paychecks and that's all he did. He wasn't involved. He didn't give a fuck. Yeah, he was going to be a teacher. He probably didn't have a say in anything because <laughs> yeah. his dad's a dick. <laughs> well, he didn't care. And then he with Al Feldstein, they talked about stuff they enjoyed. And so they made something they enjoyed. And suddenly he has a tremendous amount of passion for it and creates this thing that's beautiful, albeit ill-fated, which we'll get into. <laughs> <laughs> Want to talk real quick? Max Gaines was posthumously put in. He was, was given like the, uh, the DC or DC top 50 something contributing right people to comics. Yes. And he has the Will Eisner Hall of Fame, which he was inducted in 1993. The Jack Kirby Hall of Fame in 97. And in 2012, he was inducted into the Gasly Awards Hall of Fame. When we go through this, basically everybody we talk about is in the Eisner Hall of Fame and the Jack Kirby Hall of Fame, which if you know your comics history, that's that's your Academy Award. And for all so many of these people to do that speaks to the quality of what we're talking about, why these things stand out. And I think I truly think, but for the Comics Code Authority, that you would have Tales from the Crypt still today from that original run. Oh, like yeah. Journey into I mean, Mystery, it would still be now. Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, I think so. It's hard to argue with the people that you consider are like the godfathers of comics, right? right. So they all deserve to be in the I guess you call Hall of Fame, right? The comic 100%. Hall of Fame. Yeah. So it only makes sense. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, Feldstein was really into horror radio. Uh, two of the shows he liked most were Lights Out and The Witch's Tale. So much so that if you look at the old witch, she's basically a character from The Witch's Tale. He had won an award in 1939 for the New York World's Fair. It was a poster contest. He had no ideations of being a professional comic book artist or anything. He just kind of fell into it, much like his good friend and colleague, Bill Gaines, who didn't aspire to be a publisher. He just fell into it because of his dad. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2003. Now, I'm going to go through some of the artists because they are amazing. And I wish that we had better video technology because I would totally put splash pages of all these guys. Some awesome art. Very visual. We could do it. Maybe. <laughs> if in you guys don't mind this one being late a couple months <laughs> yeah, we in, definitely in, do in it. the future but yeah. i will say that there is a cool documentary on youtube called the artist of ec which shows a lot of the artwork and kind of shows pictures of the artists as well so it's kind of cool to like put a face to all these people and see some of the artwork they did it's really impressive. And the sci-fi stuff that comes up in that, like the weird science and the yeah, fantasy. Yes. There's a lot of fun, dynamic art. When you look at a lot of these artists, you can see they they did what pays. That's the best part about you know, and any kind of drawing job when you're talking about 1950s America. Like if you can make a living drawing it's, was a yeah, huge deal. It's yeah. very specific on what you can do and what you can't do, as right. we'll probably uh, delve into. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the first artists we want to talk about, Ghastly Graham Ingalls. Ingles, I-N-G-E-L-S, because I know you're going to Google it because you need to see this shit. He was really good at oozing, dripping things, and he was trained as a painter. So this is a guy who was an artist first, commoditizes that in the comic so books, all the that's his career. All the green goo on the, the covers of Tales from the Crypt, basically. Basically, faces melting, yeah. rotting, Zombies, awesome. yeah, stuff like that. Super good. 
next Johnny Craig, and he's kind of a pioneer for writing and drawing his own comics. Very important. Now, are all of these guys consistently stuck with EC, or did they kind of bounce around? They went to like Marvel, Everywhere. they went to DC, it's just whoever was paying. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. There are some of these guys who are going to be prolific way more so in other places, but this would get them their foot in the door because these guys in the industry... Essentially, they're all freelance, right? 100%. So, yeah. They weren't employees, right? Per right. Se. Mm-hmm. They're all independent contractors. Johnny Craig was the one that kind of had like a clean style, right? Yes. He drew a lot of like the psychological horror. And he had a lot of comedic stuff. Uh, There's right. a great quote from George A. Romero. Quote, that guy just makes me laugh. Even <laughs> when he's drawing a gross out. And I thought that was awesome. Because if you look at George A. Romero's work, there's a lot of funny shit in there. Yeah. Like even Night of the Living Dead, like when that one zombie like eats the millipede off of the tree. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Or the pie face zombie and stuff. So yep. I appreciate that. And that's something we talk about a lot on this show is horror is very comedic because even if it's gross out it, it reaches a level of absurdity sometimes where it's funny it's cathartic to laugh at and i yeah. think you get that very much in these comics yep even so much so that they have a comedic host cue it in right that's a very odd thing when you think about it like shouldn't you have a leering evil host not somebody who's making stupid puns and being a <laughs> member of the ghoul lunatics yeah but there you go well i think more more or less it delves into both sides of what somebody could potentially like there could be somebody who just likes horror. There could be somebody that just likes comedy. But when you combine the two, it's like you're like, oh, I don't really like the look of the Crypt Keeper, but I enjoy the puns. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Or it's vice versa. I really enjoy the, you know, the special effects, the actual, the way he's, you know, depicted. But eh, he's kind of lame when it comes to the puns. So kind of best right. of both worlds. I think it also goes to the inflection and stuff, the way that you read and interpret his lines. I'll give an example. Beverly Hills Cop. This probably just in my head because Axel F was playing when I was at Trader Joe's buying chocolate hummus. But it's delicious. Oh, oh yeah, it's so good. So that song is one of my all-time favorite songs. So I'm sitting there listening, and then I was thinking, did you know that Sylvester Stallone was almost Axel Foley? No. And he wanted to do it as a serious <laughs> role. Yeah. And when you stop and think about huh. that, you're like, oh, I guess you could do a lot of these things as a like a gritty crime drama that are just absurd. But it's all the inflection of how you do it. And so you could read a line where it's a pun about something and you can be like, ah, ha, ha. But you could also read it like this kind of conniving somebody right, who's like, right, right. Who's mocking the institution of humor because they're so evil. Right. Yeah. So you can kind of go so far because if you look at the HBO Crypt Keeper, who's iconic, obviously he's silly as fuck. Right. But you could totally make that serious and severe. Yeah. Which is what you get in the 1972 movie, which... We'll get into. Thank you very much. <laughs> Joe Orlando. This dude's punk rock as fuck. Why is he punk rock as fuck, Brian? Because uh, he's in a punk rock band. No. Not that I know <laughs> of. He very well might have been, but I didn't see that. So he illustrated Creepy Magazine, which was a black and white horror comic that debuted in 1964, completely in direct contradiction to the Comics Code Authority and was basically like, get fucked. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, he he had his own ripoff Crypt Keeper, which I think you'll appreciate. Do you know what his ripoff Crypt Keeper was called? No. <laughs> Uncle Creepy. Which, if you <laughs> Why would I the, appreciate that? Because we hosted an <laughs> MMA podcast for two years, and Ian McCall was called Uncle Creepy. Okay, and he literally that has makes a podcast a called <laughs> Storytime <laughs> with Uncle Creepy. You're like pointing to Brian. Brian, I appreciate this, huh? Uncle Creepy. Hey, Uncle Creepy. <laughs> That's what like, I call you when you're not around. <laughs> When I'm talking to the baby, I'm like, Uncle Creepy's coming over to sit in the garage. <laughs> That's and why she never me. wants to give me a hug. That's <laughs> fine. Whatever. <laughs> She's playing bashful. Uh, 
Orlando, also Eisner Hall of Fame, 2007. Jack Davis, this dude, the man, fucking legend. Quote, oh, I didn't particularly Jack. care for it. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck about this. And he said, quote, my wife didn't agree with it. She didn't like the horror bit at all, but I had to do it. So I did it. I got paid <laughs> for it. And the editors liked it. Evidently, it had a lot of fans. This dude was completely like, I, I'm just here to collect a paycheck, but was still legendarily good at what but, he was yeah, doing. That just reminds me of it. somebody that's like Mr. Rogers when he goes home, but then he goes yeah. to work and he just like <laughs> takes off all of his shit and he's like, all right, let's get down to the brass tacks, boys. Yep. That's basically him. <laughs> yeah. If you ever listen to interviews, he's like super clean, super polished, very polite, and he's very apologetic for this part of his career. <laughs> it's very funny to hear how that's he's awesome. like, but people in the industry are like, oh my God, like he was prolific. In his era, he would draw and ink three full fucking pages by himself in a day, which if you know the industry is like, the fuck, man? <laughs> he was like just a workhorse who was super driven and good at what he was nice. doing. Didn't cut corners, would just do a tremendous amount of work. And he said, quote, I have to be fast because when you turn them in, that's when you get your money. <laughs> the faster you drew, the faster your money came in. Again, just a commodity, but really good at it. But I looked up some of them and they were amazing. It was awesome. Huh. He said he liked to do a lot of action kind of movements inside the drawings. I think I saw one where like a person was getting cut in half and I was like, oh, that looks so cool. <laughs> he said, quote, the comics were pretty bad, pretty gruesome, but then goes on to say the Senate had an investigation, which they probably should have had. But when Tales of the Crypt ended, I was very disappointed. Because I needed work. <laughs> Not that he did the creative release or he wanted to show off his excellent art, but because he needed that paycheck. Reminds me of the movie, like, The Professional, right? Leon The Professional? Been, yeah. <laughs> right, where he's just a hitman. He doesn't yeah. enjoy the work. He just does it to get paid. Or Barry. Yep. Yeah. Same Love thing. Love that fucking show. Yeah. I think we're on, like, six or seven, but it's pretty fucking good. Oh, I love that show. Bill Hader's perfect. I'm, I'm, I love that guy so much. I'm so excited for It Chapter 2 solely for him. Oh, yeah. I could give two fucks less that James McAvoy, who I also enjoy, is in the movie at all. That all <laughs> rhymed, almost. James McAvoy, who you also enjoy. But now I want to avoid because I am annoyed that it isn't Bill Hader because you all is haters. We're rapping Whoa. now? Whoa. I did it. This show does everything. Well, I was... <laughs> I only got to sing my own birthday song, so I had to find another way to sing. <laughs> you fucks. Well, I got you a shirt. And I'm wearing it right now. So <laughs> if that doesn't say I appreciate you, I don't know what does. I haven't seen you read the comic book I got you for your birthday, and you said that you shit all over it. <laughs> no, I shit while reading it. Poop flex. That's all I got to say. So then we move on to George Evans. George, super interesting guy, also basically commoditizes the fuck out of his art. So his first ever sketchbook, he stole from his dad, who was a poster artist, right? He then goes and trains when he's in middle school with Bill Terra and Bill Pajude of the Tudor Arts. Says that every Saturday they had to turn in five drawings, which for a child is kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. So he's already a workhorse at a very young age. And he was told, quote, your sketchbook is your studio. And then he says it clicked for him. And he realized that if he had a sketchbook, he could work anywhere on a bus, in a park. And so that's what he did. He created a lifestyle for himself where he could work no matter what conditions, no matter where he was, no matter what he was doing, create pages that he could then make money off of and enjoy. That's awesome. That's a dream. Yeah. And at that time, nobody like knew. Nobody. He was like a YouTube creator of his time. He's like, oh, I can do something that's fun whenever and wherever. 
I didn't kill I the bug. I told you I wasn't making it up. <laughs> Fucking bugs are attacking. So I really think that that's interesting because before him, who was there? I mean, there's obviously there's a dearth of characters or creators ever, we can go ha- to. Do you ever think to yourself, um, the w- I said it again, fuck, the way <laughs> that artists came up with their drawings just being a workhorse like crazy, if they were to ever somehow take a look at how artists are doing things now with like their tablets and everything oh, and they're like you fucking spoiled <laughs> bastards yeah it would blow their fucking minds the amount of things that you're able to do in the innovation and in art is amazing some of those art tablets that people use like i mean my tattoo artist has yep. uh, one and Mine it's too. phenomenal it's fucking crazy andy will sit there and completely redraw things or change things and what she's able to do with that is truly spectacular and it's crazy to think of how far we've come but also it's all you look at so many pieces of work now and you can look at like the, these are the foundations that we rely right, on right people still recreate this style this retro chic still exists because it's so iconic which is amazing to think that you now have these neon colors and you can do all this stuff but people will still put out a comic in four color just to and mimic this. Why? People, cool. yeah. and people still get tattoos comic style with 100%. like big bold lines with and everything. With dots and everything. Yeah. That's basically yep. what neo-traditional is, is yep, a comic book, which is every tattoo I have. <laughs> <laughs> You're very right. When you look at the innovation in art, how far we've come, you can. it's amazing to think of. We live in truly like a great era for comics. And you have a bunch of people who are being shitty like, oh, Marvel's run out of ideas. There's a black Captain America. There's going to be a woman Captain America. Why don't they make a new superhero for them? Get fucked. <laughs> comic books have always been a commodity. Art is a commodity. Every horror movie you've ever liked is a fucking commodity. Aren't they just like an ever-expanding universe anyways? Yes, if it's good mm-hmm. content, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Oh. Rick Remender did my, probably one of my favorite Captain America comics in recent years, and it's arguably a horror story where Captain America gets trapped in Arnim Zola's like hell world for over a decade. It's amazing. If you want great art from John Romita Jr., that's what you want to be looking at. Let's move on. We have so much to get to. And I'm looking at the <laughs> clock. I'm like, holy shit. I thought we were going to have to stretch for time. We're needing to compress at this point. Wally Wood. Wally Wood. Okay. <laughs> he was a founding ar- artist for Mad Magazine. Why is this guy important to me? Chad, do you know who my fa- second favorite superhero is of all time? Superhero? Yes. My first is Captain America, a la the tattoo on my forearm and the fact that I just referenced it for no reason and crowbarred it into an episode about a horror comic. Daredevil. So, you're 100% correct. Woo! And... Wally Wood debuted his red on red costume. Oh, that's cool. All right. He used to have the yellow on red costume. Yeah. Ugh. I like that costume. You did? I, I did. Oh. I really enjoyed it. And Jeff Loeb's comic with Tim Sale, Daredevil Yellow, is great if you haven't read it. I really enjoyed the Netflix show until Disney ruined it. <laughs> We're not going to get into it. <laughs> but not the boys? Huh? Some watch it. I'm trying to finish the comic. The and boys. I, I hate the comic. So fucking good. Awesome. So you finish it? Yeah. Yeah, it's oh. so good. I hate the podcast is about the boys. I'm happy to do it. So it's kind of a horror. (laughs) Oh, it totally is. There's a lot of gore in that movie slash show. The comic book is needlessly gory, and there's zombies everywhere, and there's all sorts of stuff. Guy with a gerbil shoved up his ass. Uh, There's a. (laughs) I just call that a Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Something shoved up somebody's ass. I mean, I won't get into detail. uh, Does okay? Does the does the show have a scene where a guy is describing a? Ripping out of a woman's and shooting him with lips that he then has to with his bare hands. Maybe. Okay. So I thought uh, <laughs> it is a horror then. And that's moving on. Wally Wood also did the first art for Stilt Man. 
Who's Stiltman, <laughs> the best worst villain of all time who the Punisher fucking murked, and then at the funeral, murked a bunch of other fucks. <laughs> so good. Uh, he was instrumental in convincing EC publisher William Gaines to start a new line of fictional comics, Weird Science and Weird Fantasy, which later became Weird Science Fantasy. Weird Science. Science. <laughs> he drew the infamous, have you ever heard of the Disneyland Memorial Orgy poster? Hold what? on, Googling now. <laughs> Dude, you should. <laughs> I've seen this a thousand times, a thousand different places, and never realized that this was created by this dude. Wally West, super weird. There are quotes of him talking about how like sexy Snow White was, and then in 1980 and 1981, he did two issues of a completely pornographic comic book called Gang Bang, and it featured Snow White and the Seven Dwarves as So White and the Six Dorks. Still, oh. despite this, he was inducted into the Jack Kirby Hall of Fame in 89 and the Eisner Hall of Fame in 1992. If you haven't Googled the Disneyland Memorial Orgy poster, you owe it to yourself to take a look at it because at the time, and what's amazing is Disney, little pigs. Disney took no action against him. They took action against a company who later produced it in like a blacklight poster, but not him for creating it, which is so no, weird. Snow White's got a little uh, it going on. Wow. Oh, the gang banging the sewers. <laughs> Holy shit. Blows your mind, doesn't it? So that's your guy, Whoa. Al Williamson, Eisner Hall of Fame 2000, predominantly known for his work on Flash Gordon. Why is this important to me? Because Why? Star Wars is a ripoff of Flash Gordon. And people are like, me, <laughs> I'm like, Kurosawa, motherfucker. But here's the great part. When they did the Star Wars comic book, who did George Lucas recommend do the art for it? Al Williamson, because he was a fan of Flash Gordon. Pick up the pieces, motherfucker. You sure it wasn't the... Disney orgy poster? <laughs> Different guy. That was Wally oh, okay. Wood. That was Wally with, Wood. with a last name like Wood, of course he was going to be a fucking fetishist, right? <laughs> so we got one more that I'll go into was Jack Kamen, who contributed to Creep Show, which is important because you're talking about an anthology horror that's loosely based on Tales from the Crypt, the Vault of Horror, so forth. He actually drew himself getting an assignment from Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein in Tales from the Crypt issue 31, which is so <laughs> weird and meta that I kind of just needed to crowbar that into this episode. How weird is that? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a little awesome. strange. It's like usually someone would just leave like a signature or something, but he's like, ah, fuck that. I'm writing myself <laughs> into this bitch. It's a multiple panel scene where he's given this work. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's funny. So going into the whole... We're talking about a commodity here. Bill Gaines in the Comics Journal 81 said, We were putting out what we thought was selling. We were like the smallest, crummiest outfit in the field at that point, with definitely the worst distributor, Leader News. It was just a way of keeping the business going. We just imitated. Whatever we heard was selling, that's what we did. Which is how they broke into Western comics, war comics, right, science they comics. They did anything under the sun, yeah. basically. And then they were like, oh, scrap, scrap, scrap. Oh, that's kind of sticking. Let's let's go with that. <laughs> exactly. And you look at there's no deliberate plan. This is all very just throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks. So much so that you like you look at the horror stories they were doing, they're fucking plagiarized. Yeah, they right. They went so fast that they were just like, we need another story, so we'll just take this one and this one and this one. And even Ray Bradbury was like, uh, you guys just stole my story <laughs> and put it up. And instead of like suing them, he they agreed to just do like two more of his stories. Right. 
and actually giving him like credit for it. So. Oh, and they paid him. Oh, okay, they settled good. for sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that part of it was that he then gave them license to two of his stories. But they, this is one of the craziest things. They well, just he went paid to the for same... the licensing, right? It wasn't like he actually sued them or anything. Retroactively, right? So basically, okay. it's a settlement. Yeah. Right, right. But they went to the same well. Like H.P. Lovecraft and, and Adrian Allan Poe. I feel like it's more or less like, ah. I know what you did there. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to sue per se, but I mean, but if you don't, if you yeah. happen to leave something on my doorstep, I might turn the other cheek. <laughs> so let's get into the conception. We were just talking about basically the haunt of fear and the vault of horror are basically the exact same comics. So much so, this is the weird part. So the first three of five stories in any of these titles would be, you know, if it's the crypt. Keeper, it's Tales of the Crypt. If it's the Vault Keeper, it's the Vault of Horrors. And if it's the Old Wish, it's the Haunt of Fear. So they would do the first three. Then the other two Galunatics would come in for the fourth and fifth story. Yes. And that was across the board. Yeah. They would like mix hosts. Which is so weird. Would they chime in as well? Like throughout the comic? They, they sometimes would and they were sometimes actual characters yeah. in the comics. Yeah. but They just use it as like a ongoing joke. Yeah. Right. Okay. Which is weird because their characters overlap. They all kind of have the same smarmy attitude and the same punny jokes and stuff. It's just one of those things where it's stuck with the Crypt Keeper, so they just did it twice, and then they directly compare and contrast them, where they have like an association. Like, there's even an origin story of how they come to work for EC. Yep. Super weird and <laughs> fascinating. You scared me. So, in the Haunt of Fear, the first issue, who's the host, Brian? Vault Keeper. You're, well, I the silence that you had before that was correct because it was actually no one. Oh, the old fuck. witch comes in later, <laughs> and she ends up in every issue of Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horrors. After, and he, she's also in the crime suspense stories, spelled suspense stories, where it's one word. I should have known it was a trick question. You fuck. Yep. And she <laughs> was based on. I wanted to make sure I referenced Old Nancy from the Witch's Tale. Uh, Old witch, old Nancy, and old Nancy is an old witch. Okay. So that's how overt the references are. The quote-unquote references by Al <laughs> Feldstein. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan of this thing. So I'm just going to do this thing in a visual format instead of an audio-only format. Yes. <laughs> so the original, her origin is in Haunt of Fear issue 14's quote, A Little Stranger. Now, here's a very interesting part of the Haunt of Fear. In the issue number 19 from 1953, Foul Play. This is referenced and beaten to death in the, the Senate subcommittee hearing. It's cited by that Dr. Wortham. It's reused in a bunch of stuff. Just... Foul play is they literally rip the body parts off of a baseball player, and then they use his body parts to play baseball. <laughs> all right. So they're like, it's a the, bad taste. It's terrible. The absurdity <laughs> in all of that, right? right? You're like, no, that none of this is practical in any sense. So... Don't take it seriously. Come <laughs> yeah. on, guys. If you could, if, if this Dr. Wortham could point to an incident where this happened, where they recreated this violence, I'm like, okay, maybe it is contributing to the delinquency, but nobody, to my knowledge in American history, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'd love to see the crime scene photos, has ever dismembered somebody and played the most boring sport ever with the body parts. Dr. Wortham, the same guy that wrote Perversion of Innocence? Yep. Sounds like a pedo book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was also, he did good things in his career, but... Uh, yeah, he's yeah, most he notably f for this. Yeah, yes. and being a piece of shit. 
So it's basically one of the things that's so great about us doing this episode now. You can definitely see how history repeats itself. So if you're a kid and you're listening to our show, first of all, thanks for supporting. Second of all, you probably shouldn't be listening to me saying butt fucking every other word. And third of all, you could see history is important because it repeats itself over and over because this era was saying comic books are the devil. That's why our kids are delinquent, not bad parenting. And nowadays it's like video games are the devil. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to repeat myself that much. Right. I mean, it's the same thing over and over again. Mortal Kombat's evil. It's, you know, you shouldn't be playing video games because it rots your brain. Marilyn Manson is telling people to kill themselves. Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Chicago's Ozzy. fucking awesome. Yeah, all all <laughs> kinds of fucking shit. So, you know, everybody's... Obviously, kids are a little more impressionable at a certain age, but you're not telling kids to literally go kill your parents. Yeah. I think there was regulations that could have happened without going so far overboard because you don't want a six-year-old probably reading these because they are very bloody, violent looking and it just didn't need to go so far to where they couldn't even write or make these in any way. That's just outrageous. The the thing is, everything that they were bringing to Bill's attention was completely out of context. Right. So he's like over and over again, well, if you went back five or six panels, you would see that this is the story where this girl was being tortured, left in a room over and over through the course of the years, being malnourished, this or that. And then she ends up killing her parents because they were evil people. So it's it's not like it's this girl who all of a sudden <laughs> you're like, kill your parents, like helter-skelter, weird shit. She read and your then comic all, book and went crazy. Yeah, it's exactly. always the comeuppance. It's always like the villain. Well, not always. But the vast majority of these comics are the bad person gets it worse. Yes. Right. Right. There's always the moral of the story. Yeah. And it doesn't have to necessarily be what's the fucking uh, TV show, Leave it to Beaver kind of kind of thing right Right, it's not like oh gee wally this is how it is like (laughs) somebody dies but then you have a moral of the story yes could not agree with you more i pulled a bunch of quotes out of his testimony i think it's super interesting he's a very eloquent guy yeah his statements are very important i'd like to just i'm going to do this one verbatim the other ones i'll just kind of talk about loosely what are we afraid of are we afraid of our own children do we forget that they are citizens too and entitled to select what to do or read we think our children are so evil, simple-minded, that it takes a story of murder to set them to murder, a story of robbery to set them to robbery. Jimmy Walker once remarked that he never knew a girl to be ruined by a book. Nobody has been ruined by a comic. Yeehaw. It's super on point. He then goes on America. to... America. <laughs> well, that's that's America, not America, right? Because yeah. America is the one being like, censorship. But... He goes on to talk about what's in the news. I read the news today, oh boy. But it was reported, right, that he was sick and on drugs. Not like, I don't think dangerous drugs. He was slightly medicated. Yeah, so he kind of was like slurring or slow sounding a little bit. Yeah, and I feel like some of the responses he gave were very short and contrite. Is that the right word? Contrived or trite. Contrived, something. Yeah. Well, they're making a mockery of him and he's not taking it. Right. He's not biting. For instance, they try to point out the fact that he doesn't have children as if it's like a snub to him. And he's like, nope, I don't have children. That's not a big deal. I think it was part of the questioning was, would you subject your children to these comics? And he said, yeah. And they're like, do you have children? He's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, well, do you have friends and family who have children? Yeah. 
And that's would who he you, showed it to. Yeah, would you show it to them? Yes, yes, I would. And I so, have. That's yeah. how he did market research. That's the thing. He was a publisher. He's not an, like he doesn't view himself, at least this time, as like an artist. He views himself as a businessman. And right. how do you do that? You do market research and go, hey, kid, do you like this? Then I will continue to make this. Right. And I think that's where he kind of stepped off because he didn't say appropriate age ranges or anything. Right. Not, not right. like they were going to listen to him regardless. They were going to shut him down regardless. But I felt like he could have maybe had some sort of regulations that would have made more sense and yeah. maybe it could have worked a little bit better but yeah didn't happen well it was just it was a losing battle exactly right so then you're just kind of there to be a dick <laughs> well bear in mind in american history you don't even get pg-13 until you get to gremlins because yeah. gremlins is rated pg because it wasn't severe enough to be right. an r but then they're like wait what the fuck are we letting these kids see like these monsters <laughs> are murdering people on christmas on pg movies and you're like whoa what yeah <laughs> So it's crazy to think of, but the idea of having a tiered system when it comes to ratings is very revolutionary. But here's one of the crazy things. When it comes to the e or was it ESRB? The electronic yeah, standards. ESRB. Yeah. yeah. They rate themselves. The mm-hmm. Comics Code Authority is them rating themselves. And I feel like they just went too far because they were afraid of being censored in legislation. Yeah. So I don't think that these are evil people. I think these are people who way underestimated the value of free speech at the time. Yeah. yeah I can see that. Absolutely. Because we'll get into what the language of the authority says, and it's it's fucking bananas. It's a little absurd. It's crazy. One thing I want to touch on, in 2007, there was a revival of Tales from the Crypt that was by paper cuts, only did 13 issues. Then in 2016, they did another that was only two issues. So it's kind of frustrating. And I think that, like I said, if it was one continuous story from then to now, I think you'd still have people buying it. If you have amazing fantasy or detective comics, because it would be a legacy comic. But when you rebrand it, it's like, oh, you're just trying to capitalize. Amazing fantasy would be a porn by now. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, Mary Jane did die once because of radioactive cum. I know there I know we're go. not talking about it because it's going to be on the next episode. But wasn't there supposed to be something with like M. Night Sh- <clears throat> Shyamalama Ding Dong doing Tales from the Crypt? Correct. Yep. Which, I mean, it fits his style when you think about it. Like, what is a Sixth Sense? The Sixth Sense is a one issue of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, but uh, another series for him to ruin? Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying he should. I'm saying that, like, you could see why it would matter to him. Because, like, oh, basically, this is you. It's a story. And then, then there's a little twist. Like, what's that right. stupid movie where the plants kill people? Didn't he do that? The Happening. That's a fucking haunt of terror story. Yeah. It's really stupid. But it had Mark Wahlberg in it. Yeah, there's great visuals of like some of the people <laughs> dying, but the story is just stupid. Yeah. But it would make a good comic from the Tree 50s, right? pheromones are killing people. And yeah, it's stupid. Sounds like a f- comic book from the 50s. Yeah, it does. A comic book from the 50s is like the commies did something with the trees. Harrowing tales of how trees are out to get us. Make sure to read this comic that's printed on paper. Show those trees who's boss. And so, obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but EC Comics, even after the end of Tales from the Crypt, Haunt of Terror, or Haunt of Fear, Vault of Terror, uh, Haunt of... I forget why the name's escaping right now. Anyway, even after those go under because of the Comics Code Authority, they they end up being fine because they did Mad Magazine. That's only just being canceled the year we're recording this, the year of Uh, our Lord, 2019. (laughs) Yeah. Right? That's fucking nuts. What's really great about it is, you know... They came out with the CCO, CCO, CCA, CCA, and Bill was apparently one of the founders or he was part of it, quote unquote, part of it. 
never really contributed fucking jack shit to it. As soon monetarily, he did like fifteen thousand dollars a year. I think that's the dues. Yeah, so okay. I mean, he was so, integral I mean, in it. Yeah. Right. Okay. But when it comes to what they actually believed in, he didn't believe in any of that shit. Right. Well, I think within reason. That's what I think. I think they over police themselves okay, for fear okay. of like actual legislation against it. Because like, so we'll get into it. Basically, to come to combat the CCA, he's like, well, let's just call it a magazine and fucking call it a day. And they can't technically do a CCA because it's not a comic, comic book. Yeah, with so its own self-contained it's publication. Yeah, its own, his, his way of fucking giving him the bird. Yep. And basically what it is, is it's, you know, a congl- not a conglomerate. What do you call it? Uh, what A co-op of different creators who come together. And basically what they did is they make an embargo against anybody selling a comic that isn't authorized. So your Barnes and Noble wouldn't carry a book that wasn't CCA approved. And so that's why he rebrands and does everything as mad. So we'll get into 1954. The draft is used as an exhibit in the Senate subcommittee hearing. It's broken into multiple parts, starting... General Standards Part A. <laughs> we go into it. You cannot promote any kind of distrust of the law at all. Policemen, <laughs> judges, government officials, and respected institutions shall never be presented in a way that is to create disrespect for established authority. Big brother, they want be, that now, I bet. Hey, be, <laughs> for sure. Hey, in Trump's America. Big brother, be your friend. Yeah. Right? I mean, and also... As an attorney, I'm looking at this like everything is so vague that you could go, oh, this offends me. Fuck this. Fuck that. But what is the definition of pornography? It offends me when I see it. I know it when I see it. And that's one of the ways that they do it. And this is they create a strict regimented thing. But then they're also <laughs> like, oh, also there's this catch all where if it just doesn't pass the olfactory sense test and it sticks. Yep. <sighs> Crime is only to be depicted as a sordid and unpleasant activity. We talked about this. You can't be like, Woo, I'm having so much fun. It's oh. like the shitty people are also supposed to feel shitty about committing crime. <laughs> Give me your money. Which is never the case, right? Yeah. No. Somebody that like robs people blind, they're like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> this beats a nine to five. Yeah, right? There'd be no joker. Oh, so sad. So in every instance, good shall triumph over evil and the criminal punished for his misdeeds. Lame. Which is almost every issue of Tales from the Crypt. The yeah, guy who kills true. his wife for the inheritance usually dies horrifically at the yeah. end. Yeah. The guy who starves blind men to death yeah. is murdered and eaten by his own dog. The one I read earlier today, the guy who was obsessed with getting the man's tuxedo that he killed to get the guy's wife Right? Because yep. they both... Did you read that one, Chad, or no? Yeah. yeah, so he ends up digging up the guy in the casket, takes his tuxedo, ends up wearing that same tuxedo to the wedding of the widow, <laughs> and he there was embalming fluid all over the jacket, and he ends up dying from suffocation. Rad, right? Yeah, it's fucking cool. We'll get into it. There's if the Tales from the Crypt movie and the Vault of Horror movie. There's a good one involving embalming fluid I think you're going to enjoy. So, (laughs) scenes of excessive violence shall be prohibited, scenes of brutal torture, excessive and unnecessary knife and gunplay, physical (laughs) agony, gory and gruesome crimes shall be eliminated. What the fuck is this? I feel like I'm in Demolition Man, where they're like censoring people and writing tickets with robots. Do you have the one written down about the salacious women should not be posed in certain ways? Oh, I believe that. Yeah, that's in section part B. Oh, my bad. Yeah, we'll get there. But it also, all scenes of horror, excessive bloodshed, gory or gruesome crimes, depravity, lust, sadism, masochism shall not be permitted. 
all lurid, unsavory, gruesome illustrations shall have be any, eliminated. Have any of these people read the Bible? Dude, <laughs> everybody be butt-fucking in that book. Oh. That's nuts. Okay, some old man gets taunted by children, and he prays to God who has a bear rip the children apart and murder them. What about the goat cutting off all the foreskins? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Where's the, okay, there's, there's literally... And so she lusted for her lovers from her days as a prostitute in Egypt, whose manhood was like that of donkeys and whose mission was like that of horses. That's in the fucking Bible. It is a woman missing the fact that she was a whore, getting gang banged by donkey dicks. Getting raw dog by donkey dick. Scooping out handfuls of cum from horses. That's in the Bible, but this isn't okay. Just want to make sure that we're, we're on the same page. Do you are you impressed that I quoted the Bible almost verbatim, Chad? Very Satan. <laughs> oh yeah, and this is one that basically ruins everything. No comic magazine shall use the word horror or terror in its title. Right, that's the one that specifically targeted Bill Gaines. Yes, He's yeah, like, for sure. Come on, really? <laughs> and what purpose does that serve? If anything, it's telling you this is content that should be prohibited for a child. Right. It's clearly labeled. It's your parental advisory. It's your, you know, M for mature. This is a horror magazine. This is not fucking tiny tots. <laughs> you jack off. single word can't be that powerful <laughs> scenes dealing with or instruments associated with walking dead torture vampires and vampirism ghouls cannibals and werewolfism are prohibited that's why you have werewolf by night morbius the living vampire those are loopholes because marvel was like get fucked going back a long ways i mean this this was a big problem for a lot of people for a very long time uh, profanity, obscenity, smut, vulgarity, and words or symbols that have uh, acquired undesirable meanings are forbidden. So if we had like a, a running joke inside of us where we're like, you know, rim sickles, and people were like, oh, I know what rim sickles mean, even though that's not vulgarity or smut, <laughs> under this interpretation, I could I could just arbitrarily, but I know what rim sickles are. I'm, I'm in on the joke, and it's wrong. Yeah, Censorship. Yeah. It's like we're like... <laughs> Rim sickles, huh? <laughs> and they're like, oh, nope, none of that. <laughs> this is the one that Brian was referring to. Females shall be drawn realistically without exaggeration of any physical qualities. Exaggeration? What do you mean? What would, would we be I exaggerating? Know, I'd find the hottest model and be like, all right, I'm drawing you exactly. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Look at them tatas. <laughs> we measured twice <laughs> with our hands and mouths. <laughs> Respect for parents, the moral code, and for honorable behavior shall be fostered. A sympathetic understanding of the problems of love is not a license for morbid distortion. Okay. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> he got beat by his father. It's like, you have to respect him. Yes. Right? Sex perversion or any inference to the same is strictly forbidden. Aww. What is sex perversion? Is Tiger Woods sex perversion in this? Hmm. Right? Is Jeffrey Epstein? I'm, I don't know what. Well, what and yeah. what's, what's, yeah, what's, really, <laughs> what's really interesting about that as well is feel like Bill early on was had he was an advocate for anti-Semitism, anti-racial in his comics. He brings up a lot of stuff that are, have to do with the the negatives that people don't like to talk about. Yeah. And then meanwhile, in the CCA, they're like, okay, sex perversion or this or that, you know, interracial, I'm sure is probably something that's in there or, you know, something very probably close to it. It actually speaks against using racial elements in a negative way, which I thought was pretty 
surprising. Oh, that's interesting, actually. Huh. Yeah, ridicule or attack on any religious or racial group is never permissible. Wow. Well, that's actually very progressive. <laughs> okay, keep that one. <laughs> but then it seems like they're very specific. They don't outright say homosexuality, but they talk about sexual deviancy even and abnormalities that, a lot. Even with that one, if you are doing a comic book that touches on racism to teach a lesson, you can't do it then. He used that as an example. Right. Like, he in my crime his, stories, right, the guy right. who says Spick is the bad guy, we can't do that. He is the villain, but they take just the panel where he says that. They just use that word. They right. just focus on that word and not necessarily the meaning behind or the emphasis in the story. Right. Yeah, another great example. They talk about how you know the the sanctity of marriage shall never be questioned. Think about how many Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horrors where it's the people who are cheating, the evil people who get their comeuppance. How many of those politicians were cheating? Uh, <laughs> I can neither speak to to confirm or deny the allegations contained in my uh, esteemed council's regards. Right. Shall, shall we move on, gentlemen? <laughs> but, I mean, you could see, even though he was a member it was not self-serving. This put him out of business in this capacity. And it's it, like Brian said, it's completely targeted towards him. Yeah. It's absolutely butt fucking insane that you would do that to your peers, your colleagues, your contemporaries. And he was for the idea of creating age restricted content, something to protect children, but within the realm of reason. What's, what's really crazy about it is imagine somebody who maybe didn't necessarily think at the time that it was such a bad thing or somebody that was an advocate for it compared to somebody like Bill Gaines. Like that's like drawing a line in the sand and being like, we will never work together like ever again. So yeah, choose wisely. Yeah. Well, this whole thing almost killed the entire comic book industry. hundred percent. That's crazy. I mean, sales plummeted and nothing worthwhile was pretty much being made at this point because it's like you can't touch on anything. It's what sells. Sex sells. Yeah. It, it, violence sells. It's it's entertaining. It's it, like, and also it's escapism, right? Even John Carter from Mars has fucking big titted women, which I think was originally a pulp novel, but then it was adapted into a comic. <laughs> I think, if I'm not mistaken, John Carter. Terrible. Oh my god! Oh right? my god! So bad. I was so wanting it to be awesome, but no. You remember when Johnny Rico was in the Tarzan movie, like The City of Gold or something like that? It was on par with like that in levels of bad. Yeah. And was, I referenced that oh. specifically because I think the same guy did Tarzan and John Carter. That's like pulp was weird and fun and exciting, like Valerian in the city of a thousand planets or whatever, like sexy, weird women and stuff. And then under this, because it's so vague, it's self-serving in that capacity where it's like, oh, yeah, this offends me, but that's an alien. So the fact that it has 17 tits and they're all huge isn't a problem. <laughs> you could do that, right? But you can't go, oh, my comic book called Vault of Terrors is going you you can't do that if there's expressly something limiting that which is just nuts right right it's outrageous it's not nut outrageous though which is a candy bar hmm. indeed it's what i call it when i have a <laughs> <laughs> i'll go ahead and believe, i'll believe you on that one <laughs> thank you chad <laughs> i'm gonna have to do that next time Oh, I, I'm saving this. When my wife and I were first dating, this kid was running around rampant, yelling, and he yells, "It's juice time!" And so I looked over to my my then she was just my girlfriend. Now, like, if I were ever to have an e and say that, would that be a problem? And she goes, "I dare you." Oh, yeah. I'm saving that until our 30 year wedding anniversary. And she's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Oh, it's juice time." I'm just gonna keep saying it to myself as, as I she hands you a prune juice. Yeah. <laughs> I probably the opposite with my bowels. Probably give me a cork. <laughs> Funk. 
<laughs> so shall we get into Tales from the Crypt 1972? Yes. How cool is this? The, the comic book dies in 55. And in 72, they made a movie about it. By the same name, buying the rights to do it right. Amicus Productions had a bunch of really fun anthology films. And I think that the era of the anthology horror is making a comeback, which is awesome. So at this time, that would put Bill at about, what, 50, I believe? Because he died in 92, which yeah. would be 70. So this is 72? Yep. Yeah, so he'd yeah. be about 50 years old, still in the prime of, like, mad. Yep. So, you know, he's got things going on, but I'm sure he probably saw that and was like, that's pretty cool. You want to know something that's just a weird happenstance, and I don't know if you can call it divine intervention or whatever. I was talking to the managing partner of my firm, and for some reason I mentioned watching this film. I have never talked to this man about a horror film at all. He's asked what was on my mind or like what you know was going on. I was like, oh, I watched Tales from the Crypt from 72. It was really good. And he goes, Tales from the Crypt, 1972. My dad took me to see that when I was 11. And I hate <laughs> horror movies now. And I was like, uh. And he, he referenced one thing. And I was like, I don't think that's right. And then he goes, yeah, it has the scene where the man is eaten alive by his own dog. And I was like, yep, that's the movie. Didn't make him make you relive that with oh. your PTSD. But he was, it was very funny. Like, what are the fucking odds of all the movies? Right. That I, I, movie? take, I take it he's not a fan of the show. I don't think he's ever listened to it. I'd be very surprised if he did. I think that he'd make me change my stage name. But Tales from the Crypt, 1972, starts with five people in this palatial estate. And they're beckoned into this room, and there's the stones, and there's a crypt keeper. And he's sitting the there. The throne is pretty sweet. It is great. It's like a skull kind of yeah. formation. And it lights up stone. with yeah. the fire. Yeah. yeah, super cool. And the pedestals are even cool. It's very Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. And so these people sit down, and they're talking about these dreams that they have. And everybody's acting like they're forewarnings, right? Okay. And he even refers to them as forewarnings of what could happen. But then the twist at the end is, you motherfuckers are, you? are already dead and you're already in hell. This is just a ruse as you literally watch a dude fall into the fiery pits of hell. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about this. So, Chad, you referenced the Santa Claus one. Yes. And it's in there. It's so good. Yeah. Do you want to go through the basics of it? Because I think that simplifying it is even better. But go on. Yes. So, oh, basically, it starts with the husband. Yeah. Super nice guy. Yeah. Super nice guy. Just getting ready to sit down during Christmas time. They kind of show the whole living room he's smoking a cigarette right or a cigar i think so yeah yeah reading a newspaper he basically sits down on the couch and puts the newspaper over his face and then you just hear like a big wet like flack and, it's, <laughs> and then blood splats across the newspaper the newspaper lowers and it's like his head's just bleeding and then they pan up to his wife holding a fire poker yeah and she has a fez on which yeah. is awesome yeah and of course, the rug in the house is like all white. <laughs> yeah, and it's fur. <laughs> and it's big, yeah, fur. And so he just flops on it and starts bleeding everywhere. She you gotta love that contrast, right? Oh, right, the, the, exactly. The vibrant red on the white. Yes. Yeah, and we're talking seventies blood, so it's the color of your hat. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like it's super, silly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> There's even a part where she scoops up blood with like a little butter knife <laughs> yeah. into a champagne flute and then pours it out. It's clearly red paint. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but it's charming. <laughs> So, as she's like kind of getting ready to clean the body and move it and all that, the radio's on saying that there is a psychotic maniac, whatever, that escaped from an institution. Think of the beginning of Blood Diner when it's Uncle Anwar. Right, okay. Yeah, he's got a cleaver in one hand and an erection in the other. Kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've 
watched an old Disney cartoon that had this like exact same premise, except for it was like an escaped gorilla. Wait, or something. wait, cleaver in one hand, and erection in the other. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's in the song of the south. Did you hear? Me? <laughs> There's some weird shit in Disney movies. Sorry to go off no, on a random tangent. So from there, it has the radios going on, and then they even pan down to the newspaper, and it even says like escaped maniac again. The girl, lady, whatever, starts to clean up, but she hears her daughter upstairs and you're like oh damn this this girl just killed her husband her daughter's upstairs trying to go to sleep and she gets the item out of the the safe which is like the will and testament so you right. know it's all motivated by money you know how women do Whoa. oh what? shit that's why i never have any <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> women or money <laughs> both <laughs> so then the trick is he shake puts her daughter to bed and her daughter's like, but Santa's coming because this murder takes place on Christmas fucking Eve. Right. Because why not? Yeah. yeah. And so then the daughter's like, oh, I let Santa Claus in after the woman has like run around closing up all the, the windows and stuff. And there's the crazy guy, clearly deranged. And do you like it that he actually attacks her? Because I think it'd be so much better if it just showed him walk through the foyer and look at her and it cuts to black. Yeah, I think so, because it was super cheesy the way he did attack her. He's like choking her from behind, and it definitely looks like it's not. It looks like a neck rub. Choking her and from she's behind. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this comes from the story and all through the house. Which, okay. funny enough, ask me what comic this came out in, Brian. Not Tales from the Crypt. I'm glad I didn't answer. It's a I Vault of Horror <laughs> 35. Yeah. So what's funny is out of this Vault of Horror, Tales from the Crypt, Haunt of Fear, Haunt of Fear. Tales from the Crypt. So, you know, you're, the majority of these are not even Tales from the Crypt. There's the Reflection of Death, which is cute. Poetic Justice is rad because that's from Haunt of Fear 12. That has Peter Cushing. You'll remember him as Grand Moff Tom. Uh, you may fire when ready. <laughs> and he plays skinny Santa Claus, who's super nice and ends up killing himself and coming back as a zombie. That shit is dope. Now, here's something weird. It ends with Blind Alleys, which I think is so dark and so weird, but super cool. Check it out. The screenplay was adapted into a tie-in novel by Jack Olek called Tales from the Crypt, released by Bantam Press in 1972. So it's comic books that are turned into a movie that are then novelized. <laughs> it seems, what? Uh, <laughs> seems half-ass backwards. A little bit. I tried to find comic, a copy of it. I couldn't. Comic to novel <laughs> to movie. I don't know. Yeah, I completely agree. But Strange. there were novelizations of fucking everything That's in this true. time. This yeah. is like the way, like this was the alternative of making a made for well, like, the shitty video games like Iron Man the game or whatever. <laughs> so this was filmed at Shepperton Studios, which they shot 2001 Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, Princess Bride, Superman, Alien, Star Wars, and of course, my favorite of this bunch, Judge Dredd. <laughs> With Rob I Schneider. You did that way too well. I've Jesus. done it a few times. We can get into AD Comics at some point or AD oh. Magazine. I'd love to do that. Uh, Rogue Trooper, Judge Dredd are so up my alley. So perfect for this era. Fucking Judge Dredd has never been more top. Well, yeah. I, I say that in hyperbole. He's been topical, <laughs> sadly, for 40 years. Then there's a semi-sequel, The Vault of Horror. This one doesn't have a vault keeper or a crypt keeper. Bunch of dudes get into an elevator. They go down the elevator. They end up in this like room that's purgatory. The room later opens up. You realize they're all dead and they have to go to their assigned graves. You find out they have to relive this over and over again until they die. I would like to make an argument. I, I have a gripe with this movie. There is one guy. It's my favorite one of all these. It's hilarious. 
he's an old man who's very particular and he finds a beautiful young bride who funny enough by the time we're you know children watching movies i've seen her and she's only ever played an old lady so i was like oh that's neat (laughs) he gets this beautiful bride she's at his house and he's very neat and particular everything has a spot everything is arranged i have a system for this and when we need to buy groceries and all that stuff so she becomes neurotic she needs to make sure everything is in perfect place. So there's this kind of slapsticky scene where she keeps like knocking stuff over, trying to fix something else. So she gets his workshop and she gets a, a nail and hammer because she's going to fix this painting that's hanging. And he catches her and he starts yelling, everything has its place. Blah, blah, blah. And so she just hits him in the head of the hammer. Oh, <laughs> shit. She murks the fool. Nice. And then she's like sitting there and she's giggling to herself at the end. And she goes, everything has a place. Everything. And his dismembered body is jarred and hung up on this shelf with all of his tools and stuff. It's that's awesome. so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. fucking cool. That's a good way to end his it. His only crime is being neat. Everybody else is a fucking piece of shit in this. They're murderers. They're adulterers. They, but he is just neat. And he gets murdered, and he has to relive being murdered every night for all of eternity. I like it. A little dark. But seriously, these are all super fun. I recommend both these movies a lot. And another fun fact, there isn't a single Vault of Horror comic adapted in the Vault of Horror movie. All of them are from Tales from the Crypt or shock suspense stories. Hmm. How fun, right? Totally. Now we move on. This is super fun. We watched dozens of episodes of a child's TV show. You can find them all for free on Tubi and on YouTube. YouTube. Definitely. Tubi? YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck my brain. It's Tales from the Crypt Keeper. And I'm very frustrated I found this as a 31-year-old man because I would have watched the fuck I out of this kid. I feel like I kid. watched yes. it once upon a time. I don't oh. know. When did it come out? It ran from September 18th, 1993 until December 4th, 1999. Yeah, I probably would have seen it at least yeah, once or I've twice. I've seen a few episodes. I, I want to <sighs> say the Crypt Keeper being distinctly green. I remember that. So, Yeah, I think maybe action figures or something, but I don't think I ever watched the show. And yeah. so this Crypt Keeper is the same Crypt Keeper from the HBO show, voiced by the same fella, same mannerisms and everything. Which is so much better. Yeah. What do you mean? This but- show or... The HBO version of the Crypt Keeper is just awesome. Oh well, yeah, I mean, one's a cartoon version and one's a HBO getup. So I mean, yeah. you got a little bit money, more money thrown in. No, I mean just like the change that they made from like the crazy white guy with long hair. <laughs> oh right, right, from the, the comic. Yeah, from, yeah to okay, the yeah, that makes sense. Corpse. That makes yeah. sense. That's what I love. Ralph Richardson played him in the movie and. He did a fine job based on it because it was supposed to be like a, a very serious movie, but you can't compare it. He doesn't even do like the slapstick anything. There's no real pun work or anything. So exactly. We can go into some of the episodes. I mean, the most 90s thing I've ever seen, the first episode has an Asta La Vista reference, not once, Dude, but it was twice. Like twice. It was it twice or three times? Yeah, it was twice. Yeah. yeah anytime he dreamt of uh, the bike, <laughs> yep. he's like, Asta La Vista. Yep. Yeah. And the so, kid was super fucking that's annoying. That's probably them just using the same clip to the yeah. same annoying. time. But I love, to, his, know, his older yeah. brother is such a douche. I know. Such a douche. So he many kids like, in this like, brother. He's like, we're going to steal everything. <laughs> he's like, whoa. Uh, and so when you look online a lot of people kind of misconstrue this and like oh how weird and capitalistic that they would do this in this era there was so much stuff that was like rated r content that was being marketed to kids robocop toys terminator toys alien toys this wasn't that weird yeah and so we officially didn't want kids watching it we're totally willing to take their money now like season two killed it yeah it's the best one right with uh with ben and mike or bill and ted 
No, well, that's, that's the end that's of season one. Actually, season one finale. But I know why you're but thinking that. It goes into that. season two, though. They're in, they're in the intro for season two, which yeah. is why you think that they're in season two with the Transylvania train, train to Transylvania. That's in season two. I want to say it is. Oh, cool. okay. Yeah, I mean, unless they just make kind of like a cameo. Right. Yeah. There's, there's you know which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah. The train where they take the train and it's full I didn't of a watch bunch that of one. I watched bunch the, of Draculas their first and shit. One, which is Ghost Ship. Yeah, and then there's also Mildred and Camille come back, and there's the kid. What is it? Horace the nerd comes back, really conniving off. Like, so he he has a pet rat. This bully makes the rat disappear. He the the kid the nerd kid then takes this ancient Asian tea and it turns him into a werewolf. <laughs> so he he runs around the town running amok, and then he's like, "I'm gonna fuck you up, bully man." And the bully's like, you ain't gonna fuck me in the ass. I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. So he, the bully takes the tea. Raw doggy style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he takes the tea and then he's about to raw doggy style the nerd and he goes out and the cops are like, oh, you're that monster that's been running amok. We're arresting you. And they take him off and they take him away. And and meanwhile, so, it's the wrong guy. And the nerd planned it all along. Gets his revenge, finds his rat, and he's happily ever after. It reminds me of the South Park episode where Cartman teaches the horse to bite the wiener. Yes! <laughs> Lance Tenenbaum must die or whatever, right? Yeah, and so that same kid comes back, and there's one where it's a very little shop of horror, Rappuccini's daughter, where he falls in love with a plant girl. Hmm. Uh, it's just kind of a spoiler, sorry. You can totally tell from the very beginning. <laughs> but there's, you know... I don't know how detailed we want to go in it. I took detailed notes just because they were like I thought these were super fun. I really enjoyed this right. show. I think some of them could easily be adapted to like even a movie because they were just so cool. I mean, obviously you yeah, have to flush out a lot of like talking and stuff, but it, it's great. Just like the subplot or whatever, or the even the main plot would just be. So I want to say like the Transylvania Express. I want to want to say it's called is obviously off of like the Oriental Express. Right, right. Yeah. Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, exactly. There's the gorilla's paw, which is meant to be the monkey's paw. Yep. Which is fun. That one actually references Aladdin, which had been topical at the time, and gruesome gladiators instead of American gladiators. Well, episode two had kaiju battle. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, right. And they call him Godan. I was like, Jake loves they call this. him Godan. <laughs> yeah, it's a mixture of Godzilla and Rodan, which I thought was super cool. There, there's also the Ultraman ripoff yep, in it. Yep. And the Crypt Keeper <laughs> is awesome. They, in the first season, I think is very spectacular because they put the Crypt Keeper in the background of lots of stuff. Like there's an episode with these ants, and so on a penny in the background, it's the Crypt Keeper instead of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that's fun. There's a bunch of cute little things. Kind of reminds where, me of stuff that they used to do with like Animaniacs. Yeah, very yeah. similar. Yeah. yeah. And. Yeah, we all note the Vault Keeper and the Old Witch come in in season two. They're phased out before even season three gets there. And season three is just a garbage fire. Like, I don't like <laughs> anything about it. It becomes way more overt in terms of moral. That's good because I didn't watch any of it from yeah. season three. Yeah, Crypt Keeper at the beginning of the episode tells the kids what the moral of the story is. Like, you shouldn't pollute. And you're like, well, what the fuck, man? Like, a, I know where this is going, but... Yeah, that's pretty much it. I highly recommend it, especially if you can watch it for free. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's again with what I now learned in that you can change YouTube to one point five speed. Oh yeah, I was watching him like regular speed. Like, fuck, dude, twenty two minutes is taking forever. Jake's like, oh, one point five. We turned into like a. 12 minute episode fuck yeah and it's awesome because the voices are already high pitched and they're already like they talk slower because they're trying to delay the animation because it's a cheap show no question the animation's kind of shitty plus i'm super yes. old and i like to watch it in subtitles so it doesn't matter <laughs> i just read it yeah and then by season three i watched at 1.7 speed i could not fucking take it i was like this is the worst shit ever 
there's another couple fun episodes I want to talk about. There's the Brothers Gruff, which I think is funny because we just did it. Brothers Grimm kind of thing? Well, it's or? the Billy Goat's Gruff. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's Hunted, where it's kind of most dangerous gamey at a certain point. The hunter is trying to track this like Sasquatch type thing, but then gets trapped by the Sasquatch and you find out it's a curse where it follows a hunter. And so he's going to be hunted until he could pass the so curse if, on. Yeah. So if he catches another person, they become the Sasquatch. Yep. Awesome. There's an eight-legged freaks in the descent kind of homogenization where it's the haunted mine where there's these weird chihuahua-looking bat creatures, which is super fun. <laughs> Dead Men Don't Jump, which is a basketball story. Oh, the one you referenced, The Weeping Witch, which is really rad, where yeah, it's yeah, that yeah, ghost yeah. thing. There's so many fun little things that I, I, like I said, highly recommend you watching. It's like the, almost seems like the modern age uh, Scooby-Doo. 100%. Yeah. Right. But it's real. That's the thing that's fun. It, it, like, because in our era, like a little bit after our generation, like my little brother's generation, it's Scooby-Doo had like real scary stuff and it wasn't just dudes in masks because this is real scary stuff. Right, not just, right, right. Yeah. There's one I wanted to touch on. Cold Blood Warm Hearts. A, it's a romance, which I think is super funny Aww. between two sea <laughs> monsters, but there's a great ripoff of Shaw from Jaws. You got to see it. It's super funny. <laughs> and with that, Oopa! can we move on? <laughs> To secret of the Crypt Keeper's haunted house. What? Oh. What's that? Do you know what you don't know what this is? No. Okay, I'm super excited to tell you guys about it because it's the dumbest, craziest, <laughs> silliest fucking thing I've ever seen. It is Do legends, you go on? legends of the Hidden Temple, but themed as Tales from the Crypt. The Crypt Keeper is the host, and then there's another host who actually interacts with the kids. So it's an actual game show? It's a, a, a double dare type what? running through. Weird. And they transpose 3D 90s animation on top of it. How long did this Ow. air for? One season. <laughs> it ran from September 14th, 1997 until August 23rd, or 96 to 97. And it lost the 1997 Emmy to The Price is Right. But it was for Outstanding <laughs> Game Show. But it is fucking I mean, crazy. I lost to Bob Barker, so really? Like, did you lose? <laughs> I feel like it's rigged from the get-go. But a kid on the episode I watched spelled Eagle Eggle. It was like a, a contest where you had to like spell these things oh, right. No. There's a time and you have to like run around with the eggle. Oh, well. What's so funny? Can't win. <laughs> yeah. I want to find him and be like, hey, what's up, guy? Remember eggle? He's like, ah! Can't win them all. Guys. Can't win them all. Yeah, I, I think that he's probably living under assumed name with like a beard in a cabin somewhere like Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> he's like, oh. Anywhere he could be away from the mystic and majestic eagle. So, boys. That gets us all the way up to the HBO series we're going to have our own separate episode on. So what do we think about Tales from the Crypt, the comic, the history, the shows? I actually really enjoyed it a lot going over all of this. Not saying I wouldn't enjoy it beforehand, but going into this with being my first time doing the whole research part of the episode, I felt like it went really well. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I totally want all the comics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no I want to find them. No I kidding. want them all. I saw there if was. If you're a, out there and you have them, send them. I to mean, me. e even just prints. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like posters. Even reprints. I, yeah. They did do absolutely. reprints and so. omnibuses, which yeah. is like a, a conglomeration of everything. But there are like single panels that go for like thousands of dollars at auction. Just Damn. one panel of right. this, the yeah. original stuff, of course. I will not get any of those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have no money to actually pay for any of this. <laughs> yeah. sure, if you want to donate generously to our cause, uh, I would like to send out a special thanks to our friend Joe Otero, who provided all of the Haunted Fear comics that you see before you. Super nice of him to do. Uh, thanks. He didn't even man. know we were doing Appreciate this. It. So. Props to him. He'll get some free Patreon stuff even if he doesn't pay because he paid in dividends here. He'll get some more stickers and pins. There we go. I think that's fair. <laughs> if I have any left because I threw so many out at Midsummer Scream, 
How many listeners do you think we got out of that? One. Negative no, two. According no, to I mean, I'd say we probably got about a dozen. I'd say solid listeners. So Maybe. Or even if they don't listen, so long as they put my fucking button on their stupid backpack and they're carrying me around like a billboard with them, I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, that's because all that we can Jake ask for. Helped the guy down the stairs. He was like, you'll have a listener by the time I get home. Yeah, I remember that. I was at like, the awesome. Very, at, at the end of uh, day two. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah, great. That was cool. I thought there was a child in that wagon that we helped him with. I was very <laughs> scared. I was like, no, please don't. God. He was about to hug that fucker down the stairs. <laughs> it turned out it wasn't a child. It was just stuff that he bought. <laughs> but I think it's that time to end the episode, guys. Yeah, what yeah. do you think? Absolutely. I think so. So do you got anything? This was fun. Any closing remarks? I was going to say, you can't end the show with seeing who could do the best Tales from the Crypt laughed. Left. Oh, I'd oh, Brian I nailed it. Oh, you already I, did, did it, I though, do, huh? Was that on the warm-up, though? Was that on the any fucking day warm-up, or was that just, was it <laughs> oh, on I the actual know. show? Was it on the show? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to compete with that. I yeah, think that's, that's quite good. That's too good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you win. <laughs> Done deal. Let's hear your old witch, because we'll take, we'll take turns. Brian, I am conceding the Crypt Keeper to you, because I think you did such a good job, so I will now be the Vault Keeper, <laughs> and then you can be the old witch. Does that sound fair? I was already the old witch. I know, but I'm saying we're going to do a voice for it, you fuckhead. Oh, I guess. All right, so we're going to be galunatics, and we're going to end the show <laughs> in the character. So you're going to do your line as a Crypt Keeper, your line as the old witch, and I will finish as the Vault Keeper. <laughs> Shall we begin? Ready? Me first? Please do. Good night, boys and girls. Boils. Damn it. Boils and ghouls. Boils and ghouls. <laughs> <laughs> if you ain't watching them dying... Oh, what? Come on. That's what, what I said. said. <laughs> We're ending the show. If you ain't watching them dying, you ain't really trying. Enjoy killing time. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted Chad to be an old woman. Until next week. And for Brian and Chad. See, I'm, I win because I found a character that didn't have an official voice. He was just in some, he has some weird nondescript accent in season two. Basically, you could be Jiminy Glick, uh, Joan Rivers. Yeah, Whoever I want to be. I'm the vault keeper and I'm keeping it that way. For Brian, for Chad, I'm Jake, the vault keeper. Reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play <laughs> makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> this is fun, guys. Let's do it again real soon. Was that as good for you as it was for me? I had a butt-fucking great time recording that episode and researching that episode. We propose the idea of doing research projects to kind of diversify the workload and I feel like I did three times as much work watching all those episodes of the Crypt Keeper show, the stupid Legend of the Hidden Temple ripoff, two full-length movies, but it breezed by. So if you have any recommendations for other reports you'd like us to do, please reach out to us at slashespot at gmail.com. Now, I want to get to the hidden track for this week, which is Makes My Blood Dance with their song Sick as our secrets my secrets sick as our secrets i gotta write the first time because i'm a fucking genius make sure you check them out on september 12th they're opening up for richie ramon on his 2019 tour at the revolution bar and music hall in amityville new york doors open at 6 30 and tickets are 12 doll hairs 
That sounds remarkably affordable. Anyway, this is Makes My Blood Dance with Sick As Our Secrets. <laughs>